Hello out there in Lesbo land. You're listening to the After Ellen podcast with your host, Jocelyn McDonald, managing editor at AfterEllen.com, the pop culture site that plays for your team. So today on the After Ellen podcast, I'm excited to share part two of our very long, very personal, and very funny interview with stand-up comedian Frankie French. She is the winner of NBC's stand-up competition and On our first episode, she got very real with us about her personal history, being a bisexual mother, and what it was like to win NBC's stand-up competition. In part two, we are going even deeper with lesbian dating shenanigans. We are going to talk about being your authentic self and what it was like to come out. So I am super excited to share this episode. Now let's get down to it. I wanted to ask you about is you know you in the last year have maybe become more honest with yourself than you ever have been mm-hmm. and how does that affect your your joke writing I mean are you now integrating some of this it sounds like obviously you're you're talking about coming out to your daughter and coming out to the world on stage obviously you're going um pretty hard with radical honesty but yeah, how is it affecting your joke writing? Well, it's better. You know, yeah. like I've always been ashamed of who I was on some level. Just because of, you know, most people don't go through as much of the trauma that I've been. Like I had a sister who was kidnapped as a baby that I didn't even know existed until we were like eight and nine years old. Whoa. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> I love your face. Every time I- <laughs> Gives one little more piece of my, you're like, <laughs> yeah. You know, most people don't go through that much. So I've always, and you know, and I worked in corporate America for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. I was like a senior executive for like tech companies, building talent acquisition departments mm-hmm. for a lot of years. So in that environment, you can't have the kind of background that I have. Yeah. You know, yeah. What I mean? no one would suspect you. You have to keep it completely, yeah. again, Absolutely just stuff not. it down. No one. Yeah, Stuff it down, get another cake on the side. It can live right beneath there. <laughs> you, you know, so I've always hidden who I was. Always. Like that was my way of surviving and not dealing with it. Pretending that I came from this completely different world and different mm-hmm. background and different life. And I had wonderful parents. Yeah, and where you they, were like well adjusted and Yeah, of course. Some you know. kind of sitcom family yeah it's totally normal over here no kidnappings but the whole time i was a huxtable and dr huxtable was dousing my drink oh. you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> literally <laughs> you know what he did is funny and i don't want anyone watching this i love your rape jokes yeah. these are the best rape jokes i've ever heard <laughs> i mean <laughs> thank you but that's but that's literally what my life was on the surface we were the co- i was a cosby show you know, as far as anyone knew, I was, you know, and, and I had siblings of my six uh, sisters and two brothers. I had at least three siblings that I could present to the world that gave off that same appearance. All my other siblings that are raving drug addicts and, you know, no one has ever met them. <laughs> you know what I mean? They stay, you know, hidden in a closet somewhere because they don't know blow the sub- subterfuge that I have going of being this, you know, you know, coming from this very well-respected family, right? 
And now I'm in this position where I can be honest, I'm in an industry too, where all of these things that I was embarrassed about actually make me interesting. Yeah. People want to know about it. So I'm like, wait a minute. And when I started comedy, I was working in corporate America. Like I said, so a lot of people that I would be out around would come to my shows. Oh, you get shit. What I'm yeah. So I have to be mindful of what my content was because I'm like, well, great. Now I can't talk about the time my uncle tried to stab me to death. You know what I mean? Like, I, mm-hmm. I can't tell that story because then they'll know, oh, shit, the jig is up. Right. So but comedy's now, weird in that it's like usually it, at least what's popular right now is very confessional and very, I mean, I think mm-hmm. about like Hannah Gatsby's show, which is yeah. just like. Laying it all bare, bitch. Like, this is me. You know what I mean? Like, it's all, you know. And and, and I think those things are, I think that's good, actually. Mm-hmm. I think it's important. In my personal life, I am very open. I've always been very open. But in my personal public-facing life, I've been very closed off. Mm-hmm. The only people ex- that are extremely close to me know all of these things that I'm telling you. Like, mm-hmm. my husband. Some of those things, my daughter. Um, you know, maybe one close girlfriend, even, even my close girlfriends don't know all of these things. They're all learning these things about me now too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I'm have to cut, having to kind of go back and they're, call, you know, call, we can't believe you should have called. And I'm like, girl, I'm okay. You know, I appreciate you having the, the empathy and sympathy, you know what I mean? And wishing that I had. And now I will come to you in the future with them, but I'm okay. Yeah. But that broken part of you never could have been honest with them anyway. Under like no circumstances. Having, you weren't even having accountability to yourself. Yeah. So, Under no circumstances. Yeah. Absolutely not. You are 100% um, on the mark with that, you know. And so now, you know, it, but in the, in the same token, I weirdly was open about my bisexuality and, you know, <laughs> Because coming out to me to my daughter was very weird because I never came out to anyone. Mm-hmm. You would just see me out. Sometimes I'd have a girlfriend. Sometimes I'd have a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I have both, bitch. You know what I mean? <laughs> and no one ever questioned me about it. They're like, oh, that's just how Frankie there is. There goes Frankie, yeah. There goes Frankie living her life out loud. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Little did they know, I had so many secrets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so... Um, Back to stand up NBC. So I get my one minute, I do my opening line, and I'm looking at the judges' panel. So just to take you into that space, everyone's standing in line. They call it, they were calling us in 30 at a time, if I'm not mistaken. So it would be 30 comics, right? Sitting in the showroom floor of a, of a comedy club. Uh, in New York, we did it at Gotham. So we're all sitting at tables there, right? Behind us at a row of tables are the four or five judges who are career makers. Okay. You're talk, you're, yeah, you're telling your jokes to people like the booker for Fallon, one oh, of the fun. writers for Good Place, the producer for Good You know what I mean? Like, that's who you're telling your jokes to. So now, Bash. Just some jokes that I worked out on the sidewalk that haven't been shopped in front of any audiences yet. It's not in front of any audience, but I think that shit's funny. Bitch, you about to get these jokes. That's where I was. (laughs) My friend had died. I slept overnight in the street. This is all anyway. You know what I mean? Like, this is the mindset that these poor, wonderful, beautiful human beings are getting, right? So I get up there, I say the first joke about 23andMe too. 
levels the judges. Faces hit the floor, right? <laughs> My next joke was, um, uh, I... Oh, oh, wait, I did you take that as an encouraging sign? Like you, they're yeah. all jaws are on the floor and you're like, hit, nailed it. <laughs> yeah, well, so they were laughing. They're like hitting the table okay. laughing. So I'm like, okay, cool. That worked. <laughs> Don't ever do that. Don't workshop your job. <laughs> it's not a Michael Cox. It's not a good idea. Don't do that. So I'm like, okay, cool. Let's see if this next one works. So my, my next line was, um, I grew up, the only black bisexual Muslim girl in white suburbia in the 80s, which which sounds horrible, but really just set me up for the rejection I would get from lesbians later in life. <laughs> Levels the room again. <laughs> I'm like, I think I might have something here. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, yeah I, so, hmm? oh, I was ahead. just going to say, I saw that a bit on YouTube um, about lesbian rejection and I would love for you to talk more about that I mean I think that is like such a common stereotype and it's because it's fucking true <laughs> yeah it's so true and and I'll be I'll be honest with you it's very hurtful like it hurts my feelings mm. you know because I'm like I'm I think I'm a dope-ass person you know what I mean I'm a pretty quality person I'm this person that I am now in my life I make Actually, my whole life, I have made a concerted effort to treat people well. I think it's important to, regardless of what that other person's station is in life, is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. If you are another human person, it's my responsibility to treat you well. I owe you that to you, just as you owe that to me, and we owe that to other people walking around in the world. That's just how I, I believe that we should be. Treat people well and walk away, you know, and feel good about that. There's no reason to treat people poorly. That's that. I'm like, why don't y'all lesbians like me? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm super nice. I'm super fun. I'm pretty funny. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, every, except for one, one uh, young lady I used to date, um, she loved, loved, loved me. And I loved, loved, loved her. But, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. But, you know, it's, I don't, I don't understand it. I mean, I get it in the sense, I, I get it on a level of, ew. Like, I have that joke where I'm like, ew, your vagina's been painted with human man penis. <laughs> not, not those exact words, but I literally had a girl basically say that to my face. Yeah, know, like in in more crass terms, and I'm like, ah, you know what? And um, so the joke there is that yeah, but it's free range, organic, and local. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really good for you, but whatever. But yeah, so that I, I don't end up having to date by girls, by women. No. I don't. Every girl I've, I've ever dated has either identified as straight mm. or as lesbian. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Because when I, before I came out as a lesbian, I thought I was bi. And I used to say, like, two bi's don't make a gay. Like, I could never make, I could never date another <laughs> bi woman. And I think, <laughs> like, I just don't know how the sex would go. And I think what was my, my real impulse was that, like, I was a bottom and I didn't know any, I'd never encountered any by women who were not also bottoms. Really? Uh, I oh, that's funny. I'm a hundred percent of top all day long. Like, that's who I am. Like, even, not to get into that, but bottoming to me is, is very weird. Like, I'm like, I don't. Am I doing it right? I don't know. Where should my hands be? You know, like I don't. <laughs> what is that? Is this a foot? Should I should I move my foot? You know, I don't know. <laughs> Am I allowed to what? ask? What? Yeah. Who's? Yeah. What? 
has right, I don't know what the mechanics are, you know, mm-hmm. with that concern, but I would date a bi girl 100%. That'd be yeah. great, you know. And actually, you know what? I'm lying, not intentionally, but I am lying. My husband and I actually were, we were dating the same person at one point, mm-hmm. um, which was cool. But then, uh, yeah, the convenience factor. I mean, just scheduling dates, you're. The convenience factor, you know, yeah. and everyone's on the same page, and it's just mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. But then she got very possessive of me. And yeah, and it's just like, well, that's not how any of this, you know what I mean? Like, because if if we're going to go with legal rights, (laughs) technically, he's got legal rights. And that's not how I see marriage before anyone like calls like, oh my God, after Ellen, we can't believe you have that antiquated lady up now. No, but polyamory is different for everybody. There's there's just so much negotiation involved. But see, I don't I agree that there should be, but I don't think that it's that difficult. Like me and my husband are so easy breezy, like literally just like easy breezy. You know what I mean? Like the only way we're very clear about what's happening. We're very, you know what I mean? We're very clear with each other. We communicate a lot with each other in ways that people find shocking. Like, you know, his friends are like, oh, you told your wife that? And he's like, yeah, that's why our marriage works. <laughs> Literally, she's actually my best friend. You know, yeah, friend I like him. All the stories you're telling about him, like, he seems really good. He seems like top-notch partner quality. You know, he's... <laughs> he did not somebody's going to hold you accountable. <laughs> oh my God, boom. <laughs> Because he will tell me in a New York minute, and he's like, you know what? You're not owning your shit. And I'm like, I just start, when I start beatboxing, I'm like, okay, I'm about to lie. I know that I'm about to tell a lie, so I'm going to shut the fuck up. Take a few minutes and figure this out. Uh, But I'll get back really quick to how the audition works. Uh, I know that I've been rambling on for almost 56 minutes. Cut out as much as you'd like. so long story short, you and 29 other comics sitting, you know, in, in the audience, mm-hmm. four people sitting behind, you have the one minute. But I'll say this, I got like three applause breaks in that one minute. Damn. Right. So when I came off stage, I was like, oh, okay, you know what? I actually feel pretty good about that. I wouldn't be surprised. Is what I'm thinking. I wouldn't be surprised if I passed through, but who knows? Mm-hmm. So we go outside and sure enough, I pass. And I'm like, oh, cool. So now I have to call my husband like, hey. Uh, I'm not coming home. <laughs> well, no, this is the thing about him, how he's so supportive. Like, I lost my day job years ago. I got laid off. Never had, and I've I've been laid off before. Literally found a job within a week. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how my life is always gone. This few years ago, when I got laid off, couldn't find a job to save my life. I have an amazingly impressive resume, long-standing tenure with two like two companies, mm-hmm. great references. Couldn't get an interview. And my husband was like, maybe you're not because you didn't to- want one in your heart. <laughs> Keep in my heart, girl. Hell no, I didn't. <laughs> but my husband was like, well, maybe you're not supposed to work. Maybe you just yeah. pursue comedy. Mm-hmm. Who's going to tell you that? I was the primary breadwinner at the time. Someone brave is going to tell you uh, that. Braver than me because we almost lost everything. <laughs> <laughs> One of the reasons I have so much respect for him is because even when we were literally at risk of losing our like home, everything, he never, not one time, not even 
subliminally, not even passive aggressively, not even wrote it down, suggested that I quit comedy and get a job. Yeah. Yeah. Not one time. That's <laughs> awesome. I'm like, are you alive? Because I feel like Anyone else in your situation would be like, okay, you had your try. You gave it your best. Anyone else would have like, um, excuse me, bitch. I don't know what you think you're doing at home writing jokes all day. <laughs> you need to get a job. But, um, but it, you know, it, it worked out and it has been working out. Um, and then, so I did the one minute. I came back, I did the two minutes. And after the two minutes, you have to call a number at like 10 o'clock that night. And then- To find out if you went through. If you went through, made it to the semifinals. And it's like at 10 o'clock, you got a call. So I'm over at my friend's house, right? And um, I'm not sick, but I do have allergies like really bad. Um, Same. Why don't I pop away and go no, get a no, tissue? No, no, no. Okay, no. give me two seconds, I'll be right back. Oh my God, I'm just realizing that my headphones are still on. Yeah, I so just you heard you sniffing. <laughs> No worries. No worries. I was convinced that I had COVID yesterday because I started having allergies. I was like, it's over. Girlfriend, <laughs> my daughter had a cough. She swallowed her water wrong. And I was like, <laughs> that, was, that was my response. I was like, you live in the backyard now. I don't know what to tell you. We'll throw food over the balcony. <laughs> At least it's getting warmer so- out. She'd be fine. Yeah, she, you're 14. I've taught you everything. I'm not going to teach you much else. You're 14. Yeah, Get out of here. You'll be fine. So it's like 9.59. And my friend comes running in uh, to the room. She's like, did you call yet? And I was like, I said, you know what? I'm not calling. I'm not calling because I can't care that much. If I care, it's not going to work out. Ooh. And she's like, you got to call. And I'm like, no, I'm not calling. I was like, I, I refuse to call. I'm not going to do it. So then about 10.05, she comes running in and she goes, Frankie. You got a call. And I said, why do I need a call? And she goes, because you made it. I was like, oh, okay, great. Now I will call the line. <laughs> and it was like, and other people had already posted that I uh-huh. needed it. Oh, 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 oh. Really how I found out was through her and people posting about it on social media. That's wild. Like, congratulations. Huh? That's wild. Crazy, right? So yeah. I called Sherman. So I made it to the semifinals. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and it was that following night. And I go crush the semifinals. Now, mind you, this is where me and Mike see each other again for the second time. Remember, I told you about the 2018 winner. Mm -hmm. 2018 winner. He's now closing out the semifinal show. He's the headliner. And I I went on right before him. And Mm -hmm. then he went right after me. And afterwards, he comes up and he goes, Frankie. He's like, holy shit. You like leveled the goddamn stage. He's like, I had to work to get the crowd like what the hell he's like good like good job right i'm like (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome so we we took a selfie identical to the selfie we'd taken the year before and i posted this cool like side by side with like a cool little story about how you know this was last year's winner whatever now we're here so amazing and then about two three weeks later i found out that i was in the finals and and it was we were the finals were on my birthday in LA, which is my yeah, favorite. Are you a Scorpio or a Sag? Scorpio. All I, I could have nailed it. Yeah, I could have. I could have guessed. You do have some fiery qualities, but you seem pretty Scorpio. Oh. It's the bisexuality. All bisexuals are Scorpios. <laughs> girl, uh, girl. 
when I got my chart done, the lady doing my chart just sat there and stared at me for a minute. She goes, I've never seen anything like this. <laughs> Everything is in Scorpio. You're I'm only scared. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, so I am World War Three. Got it. <laughs> Someone's going to detonate something behind my ear and I'm just going <laughs> to check. Not a problem. <laughs> yeah, so that's, I mean, that's how it's all, ha all happened. I know it took an hour for me to get here, but I felt like all of those things were kind of important. Well, some of it. Yeah. I mean, you, uh, I, I had a tiny list of questions and you pretty much answered them. <laughs> no, no worries. Did I talk to, was I, was I talking too much? No, you were talking the right amount. It's a podcast about you. <laughs> okay, good. good. I don't. I don't like to be a. I like having a dialogue. I don't want to just have a monologue. And I think you're absolutely lovely. And I appreciate. I can't even believe you guys wanted to interview me. This is so amazing. Oh well, we were so excited to hear about you. And then when I actually watched your comedy, um, I have roommates who are obsessed with stand up to the point where it's kind of annoying. It's like, can we watch a rom com, please? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm. <laughs> like so tired but <laughs> no they, they're like really on this um sloss kick who's that guy eric sloss i don't know whatever um, i don't know i have to check him out now thank you for the reference he's got like a radical honesty bit um on netflix and amazon but um yeah so they love stand up and anyway my roommate overheard the comedy and she was like wow this woman she gets it and i was like yeah i'm gonna be talking to her <laughs> Thank you so much. That's so amazing. Um, so can you tell me what exactly After Ellen is? I've gone online yeah. and followed you guys on Twitter and look, and read a couple of your other interviews, but okay, cool. can you, do you mind telling me kind of how you guys came about and what exactly yeah. you do? So I think the website started in like 2004 or something. I don't know, but it was literally named After Ellen because it was honoring the cultural moment that ca that came about because Ellen DeGeneres came out. And so mm -hmm. since then it's been the, it's become the um, highest volume and most popular lesbian and bisexual women specific news and pop culture site. <laughs> so like, it's a very <laughs> long elevator speech, but it's, yeah, it's like we, we occupy a different space than most of the other LGBT sites because we only Absolutely. cater to women. Um, yeah. So, so incredibly important, you know, like I've never felt a part of the LGBTQIA plus community. Too many letters. Um, letters. <laughs> well, it goes back to what you were saying with the, um, it, the experience of being around people who are like you in whatever affinity group you belong to is so healing because yes, you have things in common with uh, other aspects of your personality but when you like drill into the specificity of an experience then you get to see the diversity within that so you think that you're signing up for we all have the same experience and instead you're signing up for like wow look at the incredible abundance of difference among us even though we have you know this one important thing in common or one or two or whatever the whatever the affinity is that you're talking about so no, I I agree totally. And, you know, my, ex I always say that I am, you know, <laughs> my husband and I joke that we're, we're in an interracial relationship because I was raised Caucasian <laughs> and um, <laughs> he's black. So 
And it's been like literally a long standing joke. I literally listened to country music when we when we first got together. That was my goddamn jam. And he would be like, you are the whitest black woman I've ever met in my life. I almost can't take it. <laughs> like almost to the point where I basically want to buy it. And I'm like, well, you know what? This is who I am. But he. I hope he's excited about the resurgence of black country stars going on right now. Love it. Get, get so, some good attention for the black country artists. I mean, I have wanted to be a country music singer for probably 20 years. Well, oh, for the longest, way before Little Nas X, for the yeah. longest time. I was like, you know how cool it would be if I became the biggest country music singer and I'm black and like half a gay? That would be amazing. Yeah, you know, that would be great. I'm a huge country fan. Oh, are you? Yeah. Oh. I actually play the banjo and <laughs> your face down right now. Get your face, raised, shut it down. I was raised on country. That's fan that's beautiful. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. But, but yeah, um, so we, you so you were raised white because you listen to country and your husband is like, what the fuck? Right. And so we we always joke about it. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that, and this is going to sound weird when I first say it, but I realized that there's a lot of truth to that. Mm. In that, when I, and I noticed it more when I started doing comedy, because um, I would, I do all any room, black, white, Puerto Rican, Asian, mixed, it doesn't matter to me. I'm going to perform mm. in your room. Even if you're super staunch conservative, you probably get these black ass, gay ass jokes in your face. And we're going to see how you like it. <laughs> so. <laughs> So I say that to say there are these very hard splits in comedy that mm -hmm. don't exist in the regular world anymore. You have black rooms. Well, people, sorry, the proper terms that people use are urban rooms Ooh. or mainstream rooms. Interesting. How, okay. Yeah, these are the terms that are used. So yeah. you have urban rooms, which means black, mm -hmm. or you have mainstream rooms, which means white, right? Or, you know, uh, the black folks people refer to as Oreos, like mm -hmm. myself, would be in the mainstream room, right? <laughs> it's all bullshit. It's all racist bullshit, right? But what I found through my experience in doing comedy, when I would perform in black rooms, they would look at me like, who is this bitch? Get wow. her off the stage. We don't like it. We don't even, what are you talking Ugh, bye. We don't like it. You're mm -hmm. not funny. Get out of here. And then I would go to mainstream rooms and murder. Okay. Huh? Yeah. I just said, okay. Right. Just killing, yeah. And I'll never forget, it was like three years ago, this woman used to run a show in Arlington, Virginia on Route 1. Mm. You're probably familiar. Yeah. Your audience may not be. Um, so it's a more urban area of Alexandria. <laughs> for your, your listeners. But anyway, I used to do that room every week, right? Mm. And she told me one day, she said, you know, Frankie, you just have to be okay with being a mainstream comic. You're just never going to be able to play black women. Okay. <laughs> Get okay with it. It's time to practice some acceptance. <laughs> what the fuck did you just say to my face? Into my face? And I, I was, I walked away from that conversation like, wait a minute. I don't think that that's right. I'm mm. black. You can't tell me that I can't perform for people that look like me. That's mm. not 
And yes, it's true right now. <laughs> I don't do well, but I'm going to figure it out. So then what I did is I started only performing in black women's mm, 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 mm. And so I figured out how to crack the code. And what I learned was, one, I was uncomfortable. Oh, oh they that can smell my- your fear. No, it wasn't my <laughs> I, didn't, I wasn't used to being in rooms or in at events or performing shows in rooms only black people, just mm-hmm. black folks. Mm-hmm. Yes, I grew up with black people in my house, obviously, you know, my siblings and uncles and aunts and whoever else. But I had never on the entertainment side of it, I had mm-hmm. that experience. So I didn't know how to connect with myself on mm-hmm. stage for my people. That's deep. Right. Girl, 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 so because right? so, I well, it's their fault. They don't understand me, and I don't need to adjust anything. It's their fault. No, bitch, it's your fault. I'm the one presenting the information. It's like when you're communicating to someone. If I'm communicating to you and you don't understand, that's not your fault. Uh-huh. That's my fault. I'm not communicating it in a way that you can absorb and understand it. Uh-huh. So I need to talk to you and ask you probing questions. Figure out why don't you understand me. And then try to adjust and pivot and figure out a way to deliver the information so that you can get it, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing in comedy. I believe a lot of comics will tell you different. And there are very rare occasions where, yes, it's the audience. The audience is just tight for whatever reason. However, even in those moments, I guarantee you there's a comic that can crack it. Mm-hmm. So what I mean is, when I say that is any audience, any stage, black, white, whatever, I always say now that I'm a comic without a genre, I'm a human without a race. And it's not to, to marginalize my ethnicity. I know that I'm black, trust me. The world re- reminds me often. That's not what I'm tr- not trying to distance myself from my blackness. I embrace it. Mm-hmm. I'm happy and proud to be that. At the same time, I don't 100% fit in with black people. And I don't 100% fit in with white people, Puerto Rican people, Asian people, all the people, I don't, I don't really fit in anywhere. You know what I mean? So and I've, I've never had a clique or a group of friends. If you see my friends, they range from this everybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's the black kids, the white kids, all of the kids I was friends with because I never fit in really anywhere, mm-hmm. which has actually served me well, very well in comedy because I can understand. I have to just tap into my different perspectives and my different experiences depending on what audience I'm working with. Mm-hmm. Now, some things are universally funny. And those are the things that I try to do the deeper dives into that I take into any mm-hmm. that I know you didn't ask the question. <laughs> no, well, we were, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. What, what got us on that path was just talking about the LGBTQIA alpha soup yeah. community and the experience that's specific to bi and lesbian women is, is different. And yeah, yeah. So I experienced that too in, in the LGBTQ community and being in DC, I was never really a part of that community. Mm-hmm. I would go to like the league. Have you ever been to the league? That's one of yeah. my favorite water holes. It used to be. I haven't been there in a while. But, um, you know, and I always felt never quite joined in. Okay. You know what I mean? At any, anywhere. Um, until I took my daughter to Gay Pride one okay. year. Um, when she was like 12, I think she went. Or maybe she was 11. And I felt connected because she's a full lesbian. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> right to be there. I'm like, look, I was a whole lesbian. I was 100%. <laughs> She's a full, full blood lesbian. <laughs> you know? I'm here as her plus one. <laughs> huh? So I'm here as her plus one. I'm her guest. <laughs> right, I'm her plus one. But when I moved to LA, 
I did uh, the semifinals with a young lady out of LA named Jessica and Sarah. Look her up if you can. Okay. She is hilarious and a goddess. She, she, she calls herself a lipstick lesbian. She's absolutely wonderful. And when I moved to LA, she embraced me uh-huh. and helped me get gigs, introduced me to like other LGBTQ um, comedians. And I've been working pretty much since the minute I touched down in LA and been so embraced by the community. And for the first time in my life, I'm part of the LGBTQIA group. Wow. You know, and they accept me and they invite me to, you know, yeah, I'm invited to things. They care about my stuff. You know, they understand who I am on a, I'm not a bi girl. I'm a a girl, a queer woman, part of that community. You know what I mean? Which I appreciate. I appreciate being seen in that way because to me, queer doesn't mean gay or bi or it doesn't mean any of those specific things. It just means you are, in my opinion, and I could be 100% wrong, but when I hear and use the word and when I'm referred to in that way, Mm -hmm. I appreciate it because it feels very inclusive. I feel included. I feel seen. And I feel like, oh, this is a nice umbrella to put over all of us. So I'm not set over here for being bi. Mm. You know what I mean? Well, we're lesbian and we're gay. You're bi. You get what I mean? Like, there's a slight separation that happens. I don't feel that in LA. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very, I've been very much embraced and I'm really, really enjoying it. That's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. So, um, yeah, that's cool. So a league of her own is where you used to go to your watering hole. Yeah, there's I think there's a fight happening outside my window. Um, but it's cool. That's that's normal. Can we watch it? I don't. It's it's just very lit back there at all times. Um, they're not social distancing. I can tell you that right now. Oh, no, that's not good. A league of her own is a really cute spot, and it's where I did my first open mic. Um. Shut up! You do comedy? No, I I play the banjo. (laughs) So, possible way that you would get your banjo? You want me to play a song right now? I would. Do you want to do that? (sighs) I'll never miss the opportunity to play my banjo. (laughs) Yes, please. I would love that. (laughs) (laughs) The song is called "I Wrote You in a Letter." Okay. I cast you in a spell. words um
reminiscent of the yeah. Beatles. Oh wow, that's so sweet. Oh no, I'm a total bitch. I never say <laughs> that that, however, was great. You ever heard um oh god, what is that song? But um but but uh Blackbird singing in the dead of night. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very reminiscent of that. Beautiful that's song. Good job. Okay, so seriously, one year of learning yeah that that is a very simple song that has its chords doesn't matter i could <laughs> try to do that for two years and i'd be like bow, bow, that's all i could get <laughs> i was not fantastic i used to do um a show i used to produce the all woman show cool there's women or women anyone who identified as 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 a woman women and um lgbt QIA people. So I would have a man on if he were gay or, bi, you know, if he kind of fit into that world very rarely, mostly for women, right? And it was called Broadway. And we cute. would also sing, right? Very cute. Was that in New York or in uh, DC? DC? That's fucking rad. Yeah. Oh, so I'm thinking now that I might do like a one off, bring it back when the quarantine's over. Here in DC, would you come and play? I would I would play in a heartbeat, yes. I have so yeah, many more songs. Yeah, because I always try to get external people to come and like, because I, I would be the only singer every week. You know, I'd have different comics, but I would have my piano man come. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, I have my own piano man, who's my best gay friend in the whole world. I call him Gay Charlie Hunnam, because he looks like Charlie Hunnam. And um, <laughs> you know who Charlie Hunnam is? No. I don't think so. Uh, just one of the most beautiful men that exists on the planet Earth. He was on, um, what is that show? He was on the show about the, the motorcycle gang. I'm Googling it because I hate not knowing who people are. I feel like I have yeah. an encyclopedic knowledge of stars. And the the motorcycle show is uh, the the AMC. Yes, I found mm-hmm. him. A lead guy that plays jacks okay uh-huh but yeah um so he would play my piano play piano for me and we would do sometimes shows <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> sometimes show tunes and sometimes uh just like a random musical number mm-hmm. and then i'd have um you know five to six women comedians come out and perform comedy i would love to read to like bring this back to, like a one-time one-off event Oh, have you come out and play that would be my dream that would be wow wow that would be my dream i have so many songs burning a hole in my banjo mm-hmm. you can do two different sets so we can okay, do comic comic yeah we'll do that so and i I was just, I've only done one open mic because it was like my first open mic was on february 7th and then just this past february yeah <laughs> Oh, like wow. one month ago. Yeah, so I was like, I'm gonna do an open mic every week. I'm gonna be out there and and like really learn how to perform because I've never I've never been a singer or anything. I've never, you know, I was like on stage. Oh, really? oh this is completely new to me. I'm 32 and I just was like, you know what? I'm gonna just become a, I'm just gonna become a country music star. 
you know what? I, I'm gonna tell you, like I tell my husband and anyone that will listen, Mm. Their time is not time is literally a construct. It doesn't. It yeah. Really doesn't mean and it turns it out you can learn anything anytime you want. It doesn't matter that I didn't start when I was in uh, middle That's school. Right. Yeah, That's it's right. wild. It's wild. Right. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any specific questions for me that you wanted to ask? Uh, uh I um. Hold on, I'll, I'll, I'll pull up my list just in case. Yeah, this uh. <laughs> favorite interview though i've done a ton of them since this nbc thing this is wow. that's fucking rad yeah. well we did go deep yeah i mean <laughs> i asked you to go deep but i had no idea yeah. is that cool are you cool with that uh yeah i think it's fantastic i mean i think that uh what you were saying is so is going to resonate so much with so many people who are trying to learn to be honest and accountable to themselves without having to do an ayahuasca retreat you know we can't all <laughs> we can't all do drugs to find our way back to healing some of us are just gonna have to I try that die. though for the record like, yeah i want to try it but i was afraid to well before. if you have any questions you can ask me because that's how i dealt with my trauma <laughs> just a ton of oh, psychedelics <laughs> yes. oh wow how did that and it work for you yeah um it it, I did it last May. I did ayahuasca last May and it's brought me so much clarity and understanding. And it's honestly taken me the better part of the year to process just how many lessons there were in it. There were some lessons that were immediate, like as soon as the medicine showed me the thing, it was like, oh, I get that now. That's downloaded. That's processed. And then the rest of it, I've just been, I've been like drawing it out the way you would pull on the thread of a sweater that's unraveling or something, you know, that, um, it, it, it's all, the other weird thing about ayahuasca um, is that, you know, it's the most powerful psychedelic that the human mind can process, right? So once you do ayahuasca, every, your relationship with every other drug or medicine changes. So like after I did ayahuasca, if I smoked weed, I would be like blasted into space. <laughs> I would be like fucking hallucinating. <laughs> like, Shut up. Things that marijuana doesn't ordinarily compel you to do and like, yeah, LSD, mushrooms, anything I did, I would be, I would be having a way deeper experience than I've ever had in the past, um, which is really frightening and really electrifying also because the, just the, um, the courage that it takes to go deep inside of yourself and find your inner guru and like, be like, I am the teacher. Only my, only my own mind can um can pull the honesty out from the many layers of cakes and treats that i have <laughs> metaphorically oh, tried to treats. shove down <laughs> so. well, if you put enough on top of your problems mm -hmm. it'll hold the problem and trauma down <laughs> for a while at least until they oh, rear their ugly head oh. in bad behavior that other people uh, have to get mad at you about so oh the Where one thing Waska retreat was it here? Was it here in DC? It was in West Virginia. I actually organized it with a friend of mine, and I invited. Shut. Okay, <laughs> so I invited up. like ten of my women friends, um, most of whom are lesbian or bi. And so it was very, it was very healing. You know, we all, we all. You sat in a room like on a yoga mat, and you like there's like shamanesses who come in and like they're like blowing incense at you and like singing songs in Quechua and, and like other Andean languages and 
it was fucking awesome um so the one the one question that you didn't answer for me in the long and winding road that we took was um was if you were to be a lot of um stand-ups like transfer their comedic stylings into film and i feel like i I always love seeing stand-ups break into films and so i was wondering if you were going to be in a film like would you be in like a gross out movie like bridesmaids or would you be in like a buddy cop situation like martin lawrence will smith (laughs) like a caper maybe like uh kate mckinnon in the spy who dumped me or whatever like what would be your breakout I mean, I'm a goofball. So I like to pretend I'm other people just generally in life. Um, you know, not like walking around the street, but I do like create characters and make up voices. Like I'm down for all of it. Like I would love a buddy cop movie where it's me and my daughter are the cops. I think that would be fun. Yeah, it sounds like she's really funny. So <laughs> you should probably. She is so hilarious. And I can, and, and, I can be my true full self around her. You know what I mean? Like, for example, we our, our, our air conditioning wasn't working. Well, you know, we had that hot day like a couple of days ago mm-hmm. and it was so hot in my house. So we had the AC guy come out and look at it and he was out back of our house. And my daughter comes down into the kitchen. I was like, hey monkey, just so you know, the AC guy is here. So if you see him walk up, you know, if you see him walking around the house, that's who that is. Don't do mm-hmm. that. She goes, okay, cool. And then she goes, but wait, what if he killed the AC guy? (laughs) Really the AC guy? And he just wanted to get into our house and now he's going to murder me. I said, well, I don't think that he is because he's actually actively fixing the AC. And besides, (laughs) if anyone's going to murder you during quarantine, it'll be me. Mm. (laughs) I'll be the one to kill you. And we both sat and laughed for like five minutes after that. And most kids, like, that's a harsh joke. Yeah, this girl's you know got the darkest sense of humor. She's got the darkest sense of humor. And it makes me so happy. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, I, mean, I don't know what kind of movie I would want to do. I I love buddy cop movies, absolutely. I love a good heist. Like, oh, that's love my a, jam. Love a heist. Love a caper. I mean, <laughs> you watch Rick and Morty? Uh-uh, no. Should I get into it? <laughs> God. Okay. This is okay. a missed opportunity, cool. clearly. I need to calm down. I need to calm, <laughs> frankly, calm down. She doesn't know. Don't judge her. I don't know. Okay. Rick and Morty. It's a cartoon. It's based... Do you like weird shit? That's my first question. Yes, I like weird shit. Rick and Morty, right up your alley. It's a cartoon. It's made for adults and mentally and emotionally advanced kids, but it's hilarious. It's about interdimensional travel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's this family, the grandfather, his name is Rick Sanchez. He's got a nephew named Morty. Okay. Morty's a fucking idiot. Rick Sanchez is literally the smartest human being, the smartest being on, the, on any planet. Mm. And he takes Morty as his trusty sidekick on these interdimensional uh, voyages and uh-huh. travel and hilarity ensues every single time. There's this one episode that came out recently. It was, it's the heist episode. Love heists. Oh. I love heists. 
Because it's like a heist inside of a heist. Inside of a heist. Inside of a heist. Yeah. You layer up those heists. Yeah, like Steven Soderbergh knows nothing about a heist until Rick and Morty came along. Is that what you're telling me? Until Rick and goddamn Morty came along. Wow. It's amazing. So please, you can probably get it on demand. Okay. It's on, what channel is it on? Adult Swim. It's on Adult Swim. Go to Adult Swim on demand. You don't necessarily have to watch. It's in season four right now. You don't necessarily yeah, have to I'm watch not, season I'm not going to be able to catch up to get to the good. To get to the Just watch season four. Mm-hmm. You may miss a couple of things, but if you get when you get to the heist episode, please watch it. Think of me. Call okay. me if you'd like to. It's fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I'm open to all the stuff and things. And if I'm speaking to my truest heart, I would actually really love to get in the drama. Ooh, uh, okay. Yeah, like I think that that would probably fit best for who I am as a human. I have a very, I have a, I can cry on a drop of a dime. You know what I mean? Like I have so much, I could just think a thought and like, Ooh, you know, and not in a fake way, but I have a lot to pull from. You can from access that, yeah. Yeah. Deep well. yeah, I can access, yeah, and recover from it now. Whereas before, if I thought about mm. things, I would be trapped in that, you know, ecosystem of pain. Mm. You know what I mean? For far too long. And it would take me like therapy, you know, and a lot of time to recover. Whereas now I can visit that stuff and, you know, come to to get, you know, a feeling or an anecdote for my writing that I'm doing currently. Mm -hmm. I can tap into that and access that. And I'm starting to write jokes about those things, about my mother trying to kill me and all of that Mm -hmm. stuff, you know, which uh, are the darkest. That's going to be so powerful. I'm really excited for it. I um I'm really excited for it. I don't know. It's so dark. Some of it's so dark. Like I have a an aunt, my aunt Mona, mm-hmm. who is um what is the proper word that we're using now? She is mentally challenged. Is that okay. right? Can I, is that the right word? Yeah, I mean I but, think we'll all understand what you mean, even if it's not the right word. You're not being like no, and I'm not trying to be cheeky or anything like that, but she's she's mentally challenged literally because when she was a kid, she ate lead paint chips off of her window. No. Oh, funny. my God. Oh, that's... Sorry. I know that I'm... <laughs> <laughs> she was a monster is why I'm laughing. Oh. She was the meanest person. You have to laugh planet. about the things that are the most tragic. Yeah, she was a horrible person, but... She was mentally challenged, and she was also a lesbian. Oh, so in today by today's standards, the the joke that I'm working on, I haven't quite figured out how to to do it to deliver it where it's not so jarring for people. But she would beat the shit out of us as kids. Mm -hmm. Like literally, if you got within a certain radius, she sat in this one chair (laughs) in the living room. Yeah, and she had this cane with a hook on it, and she would hook you up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull you in and just beat the living shit out of you. Right. At her, just for her as a whim. Like, that didn't matter. You could do nothing. And if she could get you with that hook, just cancel the next two hours. Yeah, it's over. So I'm just writing. Anyway, the joke is about how see, basically the joke is about how yes, in this instance, this person ticks all the boxes of protected class. Mm -hmm. But she's a (laughs) fucking bitch. You know (laughs) 
And you need to know that about yourself, Aunt Mona. You know what I mean? And so that's the joke is somewhere in there. But my stuff, I think, is so, so dark and so honest. It's going to probably take me, to, it's going to take me a while to really write it, workshop it, mm-hmm. and get it to where, you know, the public can see it and digest it and understand what it is that I'm doing. It's my pain that I'm discussing. I would never, you know, bring anyone else's circumstances yeah. or situation into it. But I have a lot, a lot of years of stuff mm-hmm. to like share with people. And in that, I met Russell Brand recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a much longer story, which I will email to you and you can read it um, about how things were. Well, reason being, it's a one of, another one of those situations where life just kind of lined up. Mm-hmm. And like this voice in the back of my head kept telling me, because I follow him on Insta and he's been kind of like secretly my spiritual guide oh, while shit. I'm healing. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. He has yeah. all that very um, woo woo shit that he's been doing for a few years. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so I've been like following and watching him and he's been like my soul food. And one mm-hmm. of the strangest things about it, every single time, every time I click on the Instagram, he pops up first. Maybe like out of five times, maybe one of those times someone else will pop up. But every time he's the and and, and when I read it, it's something I needed to hear in that moment. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know what I mean? Like I was freaking out about the pandemic in my mind. I go on Instagram to clear my head, and I'm going to tell you what I what what I saw. Every and time I, like, I go on social media to clear my head about COVID-19, all I see is like, did you know that the world is ending? <laughs> did you know? <laughs> like, here's 50 more things you didn't know five minutes ago since come out to tell exactly. you how the world's ending. Yeah, it's raw. It's raw. All I, ju- I just want to see like cats and puppies and memes. But yeah, so I click on and he and he posts things like this too with like, little phrases or things that you can't see it. But anyway. No, I can't see it at all. Point amidst the pandemic, we have to reach for what positives we can. Mm-hmm. And that just made, that really just helped me turn my thoughts around. Like, like you know what? He's right. I do need to think about, and it's not that it's him, but for whatever reason, his frequency aligns with mine. Yeah. And I can, I can get his messages, if that makes sense. Right? Yes. Uh-huh. And in that moment, I flipped that my negative, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, to I have a home. There are people that don't. Mm-hmm. I have food. There are people that don't. I have, My daughter is alive and healthy and safe. My husband is alive and healthy and safe. My mother-in-law, who's older, is alive and healthy. You know what I mean? We could mm-hmm. be in, it could be far more dire. Yeah. Than it is. Yeah, my work has all been taken away. And right you don't now, know what's going to happen. Tomorrow could be more dire. But right now. Tomorrow- but right yeah. now, in this moment, I have my people are, are safe. Mm-hmm. You get what I mean? And, I sure know, do. Most, I think about it. That's how I calm myself back down. Like, I have the support that I need. Right. You know, and it's, it's crazy and wild. And you never think, I never thought I would see anything like this in America. No. We're America. We don't no. get locked down. No. We're America. You know what I mean? Like, is what pandemics is are for mind. other places even though it's got pan right there in the world <laughs> pandemics are for other places as we were watching things develop in china i'm sure just like me everyone else was like oh wow how terrible for them yeah 
that's so sad for them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we couldn't have, we didn't have any connection to that. Right. Because it's not things like that don't happen in America. Right. You know, what I, mean? I think we all kind of felt like that. Well, Obama's going to keep us safe, so we're fine. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and at I least think- that's what I thought. I'm like, well, we're fine. We have Obama. Oh, no. We're, no, we're fucked. Yeah. I think we all thought we had a safety net that was like, you know, the CDC is on top of it yeah. and our healthcare system is the most sophisticated in the world or so we tell ourselves there's no way that the people in the hazmat suits cannot control this just the way they would on Grey's Anatomy like it will all be in a plastic room it will not come to yeah it's not gonna affect me directly and I saw this on Grey's Anatomy last week so we're basically fine and I'm yeah. pretty much a doctor I watch a lot of doctor Quinn medicine women <laughs> I think I can heal myself I'm gonna be fine you know what I mean and it's so and here's the other thing it's so sad and disappointing I was talking to a friend of mine earlier and I said you know my brain can't and, and this is I mean this quite literally my brain cannot logically process how people don't have empathy and forethought for other humans I don't understand it and yeah, it boggles the mind. I mean, I can't even think about it. I don't get it. And yet and you, you witness I, sociopathy before your very eyes. I mean, you're seeing it play out. Like people you. think that money is more important than human beings' lives. People are like, well, old, only old people and sick people are affected by this. And it's just so like. It's fine. Right. <laughs> that's not, ew. That's not how that, ew. It's not how that works. And we have a president in office who intentionally who with and his team intentionally and systematically deconstructed specifically the one of the systems that could have prevented this from happening Mm -hmm. and there's no accountability Mm -mm. and people are still singing your praises in fact his approval rating is going up a whole team in place of people whose only job their only job was to look at data how it related to pandemics. Yeah. And make sure that they identified them early on and figured out plans, action plans, put together action plans and put them in place to prevent them from happening. And I've, ne- I've and- never missed Obama more. I miss him every day, but <laughs> I miss him more now than I ever have. Oh, like we don't we don't need that. Mm. We don't get pandemics in America. Yeah, because we have systems in place to prevent them, dumb dumb. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know what? You don't need a condom. I, I don't get pregnant. Because right. Using- <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> That's why. Yeah. You know, so in in these times that we're in, um, Russell Brand has been one of my beacons of light. And when I shared my story about meeting him, I have never had such a big outpour from people DMing me, texting me, calling me, a lot of people, like lots of people, thanking me for telling the story, for not even telling it as, it's not a story, it's just an experience, but mm. thanking me for sharing the experience. Um, because I debated for a while about posting and talking about it because I didn't want it to seem like my goal was to say, ooh, ooh, look at the celebrity I met. Right. Because that's, that's actually the irrelevant. To mm. what the story is. It's really more so about listening and trusting that voice 
um, being yeah. more present in moments and following and figuring out, listening to the energy and getting on your right path. That's what the story is really about. Um, and here's another- I just another followed you on social media so I can find the story. <laughs> oh, shit. yeah. Um, I think, I, yeah. Twitter feed, I think. Oh, it's on Twitter. I've been trying not yeah. to go on Twitter. It's so activating. Oh, no, don't. I can, um, if you text me, I'll actually text it to you. Okay, great. I don't think I have your, I mean, I don't have your number. I'll text it to you. But yeah, text okay. me when we get off or even now and I'll, I'll text it to you. Okay, but, cool. uh, That's awesome. Yeah, and I need to, I also need to know how you met Eminem. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was all about donning your hair. <laughs> It was, but that's the thing, though. When you hear it, ultimately, the only reason I met him was because I dyed my hair. Yeah, like you, yeah. you, you, you don't have to listen to the to the voice. You have to listen to the voice. Yeah, you gotta that's listen the message. To the <laughs> and I currently have one in my head that's not telling me to leave stand up, and I don't even really understand what it's telling me that I'm. What it, it's telling me that I'm supposed to be public speaking, Ooh. but not. But like sharing my spiritual experience, Ooh. and I'm like, I don't. That's the thing. I don't want to do that. Mm. But here's the thing: the, that same voice is like, you need to be doing that. And then it guided me to Russell Brand under the guise of he's gonna help you. And then weirdly, when I got there, the voice was like, ha ha, just kidding. You're gonna help him. And I'm like, what the uh... fuck? Right. Which I haven't yet. But yes. that's what it's telling me. Once I posted this thing, though, and I'm telling you, I've been having this voice, and I'm like, shut up, voice, you're dumb. Mm. As soon as I posted that, this young lady that I met two years ago DMs me. Mm. And we have a very distant friendship. I met her because I had, I told you I was out of work for a while. I had actually found a job for a little while, but it was like right at the start of spring break. So I needed a camp for my daughter, but I didn't really have money to afford a camp. So I'm like freaking out. I found this lady online. I don't even remember how I found her. We get on the phone. She's like, you know what? Don't worry about it. Just bring your daughter. Thank you. <laughs> so she let my daughter just come to this camp for free. Yeah, that's wild. And, you just I mean, wanted I, something vaguely and then it was presented to you on a platter. <laughs> here on a not even kidding. Yeah. So me and this woman have remained friends, right? I since put my daughter in the camp and paid for it. But when I couldn't afford it, she was like, don't even, you know what? So I don't know why I'm, I feel like I'm supposed to, but I want to help you. She was listening to the voice so too. I, this, I know. Yeah. I know. yeah. So I posted this thing about Russell Brand, and I told you I keep having this thought about public speaking, like spiritual public speaking, but whatever. She sends me a DM. We haven't talked in probably over a year. She sent me a DM and she says, I know that you're a comedian, but whenever you're ready to go share your stories with women around the world who need to hear them, let me know. I'll carry your bag. That's oh, what the shit. The wow. I'll carry Fuck your you, bag. You don't know me. <laughs> you're not, you're not going to make me live my destiny. <laughs> yeah. So how crazy is that? So that now is... I'm like, okay, I guess, I guess I'm going to do that. So what's, I mean, you I know think what's there's next a for me, desire I, for that. There's such a um, a hunger right now 
I think especially, you know, even before the pandemic, the sense of global panic and looking around and being like, what, how the fuck are we going to get ourselves out of this mess has been rising collectively. And the pandemic has only made it, you know, that much more pronounced. But I think people are looking for, they're looking for radical honesty. They're looking for the accountability to themselves and others that they don't know that they need. They don't realize like how to step into their power and they need models for that. And whenever you have people who are modeling that, you know, it it gives another woman the courage to step into her own power. So, I mean, it, and it, it, and you can do that with stand up, but your skills in stand up, you, you know, earlier you had described them in this very corporate context of of communication. Like if I if you're not receiving the communication, then I, it's because I'm not communicating it. Like so, you're gonna use your corporate communication skills. You're gonna use your stand up skills. Whatever whatever is the magic uh, formula that brings it all together, the the destiny is not something you can resist forever. Apparently not. You know what? I mean, it's kind of cool in the sense of being aware and being living on my, whatever my energy frequency is, like actually being activated in that. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so this information is coming at me pretty fast, Mm -hmm. but I'm like open to receiving it. And I'm like, so in that sense, it's very cool. I'm like, okay, so every sign, every big blaring sign is telling I And I literally said, okay, God, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. You know, and I say God, when I say that, it's not a specific God. It's just the God of us, all of this stuff. Yeah, that source, us, the know. creator, whatever, whatever, whatever it means it. to you. Yeah, whatever. And I'm like, okay, I don't, and literally this is what I said. I was like, I don't know exactly where, what I'm, I've won this thing. Where do I go with my career? Can you please just give me a sign? And he's like, bitch, I'm giving you like 55 signs. <laughs> Look around. <laughs> and you're not taking it. How about a pandemic and a quarantine? And maybe you'll just start going live and telling people your story. Shit. So I think Yeah, so that's what I'm trying to figure out a way to do it. You know, to, you know, within the by the end of the week, I'll figure out how I'm gonna do that. But that's my next step. That's what I'm gonna start doing. Me and my daughter actually, we have a thing we're gonna do together called the Apocalypse. Cool. And it's where yeah, she has written down very stupid things that she has never done. And she wants to check them off as her apocalypse bucket list. So we'll call it and we're going to go out every day and tackle something on that list. And then I love you know. it. And your is really like, smart. She just seems great. She, well, she told me once I won stand up NBC, she goes, okay, mommy, now we need to, this is all her, not anything I've ever said. She goes, now we need to think about merch. Your stickers are great. <laughs> She's your manager. That's what she said. She goes, well, I'm your manager in my mind. I know you yeah. have one, but in my mind, I'm your manager. She's like, you need to start thinking about merch. You need to take all of these stickers that you've, you've gotten and put them on T-shirts. We can start it at the store. It can be online. It'll be my responsibility. So I'll make the money from it. And when you have shows, I'll set up a booth and I'll be responsible to sell all your merch. And I'm like, yeah, that would be amazing. You know what I mean? Like her brain just naturally thinks of ways to be self-contained mm-hmm. and the kind of her own thing. So she made this list of very, very hilarious things. Like, she's like, I've never thrown an egg at a building. And I'm like, perfect. We're going to get some eggs and we're going to go outside. I don't know where and you're going to find like, any eggs. 
I was at Aldi's yesterday. There wasn't a single fucking egg or piece of meat in that whole store. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Last week. Okay, there you go. Oh, I brought two dozen. Unbeknownst to me, my husband had bought four dozen. Oh, you are actually in a good place right now, eggs wise. Well, actually, now if I'm being honest, we only have one. We have one carton with eighteen in them. Y'all eat a lot of eggs. (laughs) You've already gone through all that. (laughs) Every morning, I make soft boiled eggs and avocado. Mm, mm. Wow, that sounds so yummy. So perfect breakfast. Stupid good, and we have a toaster, but I like my toast in the oven Mm -hmm. where I could put like three chunks of butter on it and then just stick it in there and everything gets like oh so that's been our breakfast but yeah we eat a lot of eggs so we're gonna go throw eggs at our house okay tomorrow morning okay we're gonna film it i filmed her earlier so we're gonna do like an opening credit you know like an opening like little montage of dumb shit and then we'll you know the apocalypse will come up and then whatever experiment we're doing that day we'll play so it'll in total probably be like three minutes but something quick and funny that hopefully people will engage with It'll give my daughter an opportunity to do something and be involved in my comedy, which she doesn't often get to do. That's awesome. You know, so yeah, so it'll be fun. And then that coupled with my, I guess, fear, I don't know what to call the videos, but I don't know. Maybe we'll call well, it. Well, just keep doing it. them and then that will be, that will be obvious. It'll be obvious what you're supposed to do with it. There we go. So yeah, so that's, yeah, I guess that's, that's me in a nutshell. That's a lot of info. <laughs> it wasn't really a lot of info. We went deep. Anything else you want to know before we go? Um, I I feel very like thoroughly um, and introduced to to your whole French? your whole thing. <laughs> you been properly French today? Is that what we're yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think I'm saying. So, have you been Frenched enough or no? I've been Frenched and I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so amazingly adorable oh my god that's a t-shirt may i yeah I've been like yeah i like that that's my daughter's name celestine bella celestine so, yeah. beautiful name you did a good job well all of this time we thought my grandmother was part italian because she heard she was celestine eleanor so we always thought we had this italian blood how white are you <laughs> well, <laughs> My middle name is Celestine, so Celestine is a family name, you know. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, you know how Italians are. Yeah. But uh, but my grandmother is the one who raised me in New York, and she used to run numbers for the mob. Oh and I would shit! No, oh, I would help her do that when I was like a little. I know, I know. But she was <laughs> awesome. She was an amazing, amazing woman, and I never understood why at like four, five, six, seven years old. I could just walk up and down my block any time of day or night, and people would just like that's CeeLo's daughter. That's you know that's CeeLo's kid. You know? uh-huh. I'm like, oh, I am CA because that mm-hmm. was her nickname was CeeLo because mm-hmm. her name was Celestine Lowe. and he, she was CeeLo before CeeLo Green, mm-hmm. and she was the real deal. You know, and she used to uh, clearly. Uh, I know she used to run numbers out of the bodega that was on the corner, the same bodega that at night they would move all the shelves and everything out of the way. Play calypso music, and the the oh, guys that owned it, yeah, me and my grandmother would go down there. She'd have to, ke- you know, pick up her money for the week or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. She'd have to go down there one day a week, and when we would go, it'd be late at night, and they'd move all the stuff out, put on calypso music, and they taught me how to salsa. 
you know, and how to calypso. You know, That's so cute. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazingly fun. Super inappropriate. Yeah. Should not be <laughs> Child. <laughs> At all. But it was, it's one of my fondest memories, you know, mm-hmm. being a kid. That was one of my best times being a kid was that time in the brownstone with my grandma. I'll That's awesome. That. Well, yeah, Um, it has been actually such a fun interview. And I thank you so much for your time. And you're just like incredible generosity in telling me so many um, true and important things about you and not and not just like the whatever talk track you've rehearsed a 1000 times to shoot through these interviews that you've been doing. So I really appreciate that. And I think it was really fun. Absolutely. This is very fun. Thank you for asking me and inviting me. Thanks for listening to the After Ellen podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to follow Frankie French, you can find her on Twitter and Instagram as at Frankie French. Frankie's name is spelled F-R-A-N-Q-I French. And while you're there, give us a follow at After Ellen. We are very pumped about this podcast. You know, we're still just taking our baby steps with it. So we'd love to hear your feedback. Let us know how you think we're doing and what you want to hear on future episodes of the After Ellen podcast. Mm -hmm.